This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Find us on Twitter at OMF on WEEI. Back here on OMF, Celtics open up the second part of their season, second half of their season. We thought a good guy to spend some time and talk with would be John Corrales, who is now with Boston Sports Journal. How are you, John? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Terrific. Terrific. We remember John and uh, Lou going back and forth on Twitter when he was writing for Red's Army. It was entertaining. Oh, we might bring that back a little bit. Oh, good. It was very entertaining, to say the least. So, so John, we... I suggest the Celtics trade for Al Horford. Well, I was... You know what? Screw it. Because I think that's... (laughs) Listen, I was going to bring that up later, John, but I'm telling you, I keep keep hearing his name left and right, and I've been saying for a while, he's the perfect fit. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Bring average Al back. Wait a minute. Are we are we switching teams here? Because I'm I don't think that's a, I don't think that's the right move at all. You, see, you don't appreciate you don't appreciate the little things. Teams? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's true. I've never appreciated this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope it doesn't happen. To yeah. be honest with you, but there's real ones that we got to get into. I think. So listen, yeah. we were just sitting here talking about uh, Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge is going out of his way. I'm wondering if you get the same impression that that we get that he's conditioning the public out there, the Celtics uh, fan base. Then nah, we're not going to do this big trade exception deal at the trading deadline now the offseason gives us a golden opportunity you wrote a whole piece about how the luxury tax plays into it do you think that is the reason right now that Ainge is trying to condition the public I think that's a big part of it I think there's there's twofold I, I think I don't think there's anybody that's out there that really puts the Celtics in in full contender mode like I know everybody wants to talk about Harrison Barnes and he's a great fit uh, and they could do it. There are ways to do it for sure. And maybe even do it avoiding luxury tax. But does that get them, does that put them above Brooklyn or no. Philly or Milwaukee? So then if it doesn't, then why do it? Why use this tool to get somebody that doesn't do that? So I think that's part of it. But the luxury tax is certainly a big thing. And I did hear Lou talking about it a little bit before the break. And it's right. Like, you 
you have to reset. You take this opportunity to reset this repeater tax because the way it works is right now they, they, they made it very punitive, and it was in reaction to a lot of those super teams that were being built. They're, they're making it so if you build a super team, it's going to break up pretty quickly because it's going to get super expensive. It's in $5 million tiers. Uh, when you're a regular taxpayer, you pay $1.50 per dollar you're over, and it goes up incrementally every $5 million you're over. When you get into repeater tax ter- territory, that increases by a dollar. So that for first $5 million, you're, you're paying two fifty, and so on and so forth. So if they cross that tax this year, because of the salaries coming up, they'd enter that two years earlier, making it however many millions, tens of millions of dollars more expensive to have this team. And what you don't want as a Celtics fan is a financial decision coming down to do you want to re-sign Marcus Smart or not. Like if you don't sign Marcus Smart, it's because another team made a monster offer and you're like, wow, we can't, it doesn't make sense to match that. You don't want it to be, he would have accepted a reasonable offer, but we're so far over the, over the tax that Rick Grosbeck doesn't want to pay that money. So, so you don't want to have that situation. So you just kind of deal with what you're dealing with right now. So John, that's $15.5 million puts him over the luxury tax and 19 is pretty much how they can max out the trade exception, correct? Yes. Yes, yes, because they're hard capped because of the Tristan Thompson deal. That's one of one of the many kind of weird mechanisms in the CBA. When you give somebody a full mid level exception, you are hard capped at what's called the apron. It's about six million dollars above the the tax line, seven million dollars or so. So it's at like a hundred and thirty almost hundred and thirty nine million. So they can't they cannot cross that at all at any time. So John, you know, we we've been we throw this around a lot as far as you know, Celtics fans and their love affair with, you know, players on the team, draft picks mm-hmm. or whatever, they just don't want to give them up for any reason whatsoever. Do you believe that to be the same? Like, you know, uh, fans hoarding talent, reg- even if the, the other option is better for their team and their future? I think that's universal. Every, every team's fans falls in love with some of these players. And, um, and I see it across the board. Like, uh, I see San Antonio Spurs fans talking about getting getting a you know Harrison Barnes and giving up one of their young players, and they're like, "No way!" You see a little bit of promise, and you have this vision of uh, you know Aaron Neesmith figuring things out, and you know he's only a rookie; he's only been around for a couple of months, so they're, they're, that's certainly possible. Romeo Langford hasn't had much time on the floor; he's had some tantalizing moments. You say, "Wow!" You know, if he can figure it out, now you got two guys on rookie contracts. And that frees things up down the road. So you, I think fans definitely fall in love with the guys that they have, and and you know because they see them every day. So John, I agree. I think the financial side of it is is definitely a huge part of this. But I, I look at the TPE as not like using it to go over the hump, you know, get over the hump and be a championship team. I look at it as just getting back to even. You know, you lost mm-hmm. to Gordon Hayward. You lost that fourth score, you know, to make sure you got two or three on the court at all times. And that's why I like the Harrison Barnes. It, by no means does he put you above Brooklyn or anything else, but it just gets you back to even. And I'm worried Danny's not going to use it. And then in the summertime, almost be backed into the corner because he has to use it. And I yeah. don't know what's going to be there, like, for him to There's, use it with. There, yeah, there are so many different ways that this can play out. Um, and it does. And keep in mind, and Danny Ainge has said this: it doesn't have to be the TPE. Now we've been they they gave up two second round picks, which isn't nothing to to get this TPE, which means they really need to use it. You don't give up draft picks to get an asset to not use it. Mm-hmm. So 
what, what are the different paths that they can do? I think they do owe it to these guys on this team that have put in this level of work that have really busted their butts in a really weird season. They owe it to these guys to do something to kind of reward their hard work with, you know, a move, something to say, hey, we're giving you something to, to help. So maybe things come together. You make a deep playoff run. Maybe somebody on another team gets hurt, and we've got ourselves a fighting chance. So is that a TPE move? Maybe they've got smaller traded player exceptions from the Ennis Cantor trade, which is just about $5 million. Does that get them anything? They could do a traditional move. I mean, I, one of the things that I wrote about on Boston Sports Journal is, we're all worried about the hard cap, but maybe he got Tristan Thompson in part because that $9.2 million is a great contract to use in a salary match. So in a best-case kind of scenario, in my opinion, you can package Tristan Thompson, one of these young guys, a Langford or a Neesmith, and somebody else, maybe Teague, just so that he, he can match salaries and you send him cash to cut him, to get Orlando's uh, Aaron Gordon. That's just a move you can make, a traditional trade. You bring in a big name. He's under contract for next year. Uh, his contract goes down for next year. You're not worried about the tax. You still save the TPE. And then over the summer, maybe if Harrison Barnes is still on the Kings, you go for him. Another thing they can do with the TPE is, in a way to sort of extend it, use it as a salary dump next year. You're over the tax. This is a risky move. But you bring in a guy that another team wants to offload. and that guy essentially becomes a contract, an extension of the TPE that you can use as a salary match if somebody like a Bradley Beal comes up. And that's a name that you really have to, like, big free agents down the road are part of this consideration. So there are a number of different uses for this traded player exception that can turn into assets for moves down the road. It's interesting you bring that up because if you look back at the build of Danny Ainge, for 2008, started in 2003. He did so many of those moves that people were sitting there going, oh, what are you doing? And a lot of it mm -hmm. was for math, exactly what you're talking about right now. He was doing it for math. So let me throw a name out you, at you, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Al uh, they, were, they worked out a separation with the Spurs. My buddy David Aldridge writes this, boy, I'd be all over him. If I were Daniel Ray Ainge, if you're going to try to beat Philly or Brooklyn in a playoff series and need proven size up front, he can rebound, score from the block, from deep. I'm not buying Aldridge at all. Are you? Does no, he fit? no. Thank you. No, he, he does not fit. He's 35. The numbers with him on the floor in San Antonio were kind of disastrous at this point. He's coming uh, off the bench now. Yeah, yeah, he was coming off the bench. He he, he lost minutes to, to Jakob Pertl. He's not going to be a big, like, with the traded player exception, that's, it, it fits nothing that the Celtics want to do because he's, he's an expiring contract. So why blow the $28.5 million traded player exception on a guy that's not even going to be here next year? You don't get to use him the way I just explained. You know, if he, if he had another year next year at $24 million and that was kind of a last-ditch effort, I can understand it because now $24 million is an expiring contract. You send it to a team that's trying to blow up and rebuild, and that team now gets cap space and so on and so forth. Like that, I would understand, but I, I can't find any compelling argument for LaMarcus Aldridge on this team. So we're, we're talking Celtics. We're talking to John Corrales from uh, Boston Sports Journal. Now, I guess uh, the most important person uh, on the Celtics roster, the seed the, the glue that holds this team together is finally coming back. That would be Marcus Smart. 
I'm curious yeah. to know, one, your feelings towards Marcus Smart, as frustrating as he may be, and do you think, uh, ultimately, he's the biggest difference maker for this team moving forward? I, I am a tremendous believer in Marcus Smart. I think that his impact on this team is, is kind of immeasurable in a lot of ways. And I do understand that the frustrations of some of the shots that he takes, I get that. But at the same time, he still hits at a, a decent enough percentage. He's in the mid-30s, which is where you want the, like, the lowest point that you want an acceptable three-point shooter to be. The math is just the math, and that's, that's where the math sits. But the things that Marcus Smart does, obviously he defends, right? He's, he's a maniacal defender. He's an all-defensive team-level defender. But he's also a pretty good point guard. He's pretty good on the floor with, with the ball in his hands and running a pick-and-roll. And he's pretty good at understanding. His, his basketball IQ is pretty high. And you can now, if you have him on the floor with Kemba, you can start Kemba off the ball. You can start Kemba in the corner and have him come up off a pin down and catch the ball on a curl and have some guys cutting behind him. And, and now you've got some actions there where you're using Kemba's strengths without having him just have to dribble, dribble, dribble and use a pick and roll and try to do something. And then you can blitz him and, and get the ball out of his hands. Like you, you have different options with Marcus Smart on the floor. He's reliable and he's a good organizer. He can get the rest of the team just set in the positions that they're supposed to be and and just he makes a, the team better defensively just because of that when when guys are out of position or when guys uh maybe have lost some focus he he knows what the other team is trying to do and he can kind of he calls out what the what the other team's trying to do and you guys know when you're playing at this high a level any bit of anticipation you can get is the difference between making a play and getting beat John, um, just as far as Danny Ainge goes and maybe some of the urgency in putting this talent together on his team, how concerned should he be you know, in surrounding Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in the next couple of years before those all-star visits don't become recruiting trips? You know how this league works, right? I mean, yeah. I know they're up in three, four, five years, but in a couple of years, if this thing doesn't keep building, do they start saying, I want out? Yeah, that's definitely a concern. That's something I wrote about today on Boston Sports Journal, the, the whole Bradley Beal thing, where right now it would be the Celtics recruiting Bradley Beal, but what you don't want is Bradley Beal leaving uh, as a free agent or asking for a trade somewhere, and in a couple of years he gets his St. Louis brother, Jason Tatum, and says, hey, you know, why don't you ask for a trade? Why don't you opt out of that final year? We're going to have cap space. I'm going to make sure they give us cap space to get you. Like, that's not something you want to happen. So that's always going to be a concern for any general manager with young talent. You have to make sure that those guys are, are happy in a sense. And so that's, that's kind of why I said earlier, they do owe it to this team to give them some help, to give them a boost, because Tatum and Brown have been asked to do a lot. Like Jason Tatum, when he came back from COVID January 25th, since then has played the most minutes in the league, which is kind of insane for a guy coming off of COVID. Uh, that, that needs to be rewarded somehow. And giving the team help off the bench is at least a signal where Ainge can tell these guys, like, look, here's the tax, blah, blah, blah. But we, we want to make sure that you have at least some help and maybe you have a puncher's chance of making a deep playoff run, maybe if things break right, uh, you you have a Miami Heat type of run to the finals. We're talking to John Corrales from Boston uh, Sports Journal. So let me ask you about the coach, since we talked about uh, the general manager or the president. 
Uh, I think coaching can be a little overrated in the NBA. It's a player's league, as you know. You put LeBron and two other stars together, and you and I could coach that team and still win the championship. But when you're trying to build a team and build something, uh, especially when they're younger players, a coach is important. So I think we all admit that Brad is terrific at developing young players. He's got stars now, though, and guys that went to the All-Star game. And guys that recognize themselves as branded stars, is this a problem for Brad Stevens? Um, you know, I don't know. He's this is a unique situation for him. Like he's never had this, right? He he had Kyrie for a little bit. Um, Gordon Hayward came in and he was kind of feeling himself, and then he got hurt. So this is this is kind of new for Brad Stevens, um, and and he's going to have to figure out now the the relationship that he's built with these guys kind of is important. And one thing I like about this situation is is that it's not like in Atlanta where, you know, Trey Young makes a, you know, makes some noise and they fire Lloyd Pierce and this isn't a situation like Carl Anthony Towns who who's on his what fourth or fifth coach now. Like there there are there there's value to having the same guy there. Now where do they go from here? That that's a good question. And I, I really don't have an answer for if, is it a problem or not? Because he's going to have to deal with these guys on an individual basis. And, and is Jason Tatum, what's Jason Tatum's ego like right now? What's Jalen Brown's ego like right now? Are they, are they changing? Are they buying in? As far as I can tell, guys, I, you know how it is. When, when, you, when the coach has your ear, I believe when the players are out there talking to the media, they end up parroting a lot of what the coach is saying. That's a sign of the guys listening to what he's got to say. And these guys are doing that. These guys are, are kind of repeating the, the company line. They're, they're, they're kind of in, you know, in step with what Brad Stevens is saying and preaching. So right now I hear all the right things. I hear all the right signals. Uh, but it, it's worth watching. And all it takes is one of these guys to sour on something that's going on. And, you know, players win and Brad would be out. But, I think right now everything seems good, and I don't think there's any any concerns with the coach. Lou, you want to readdress the uh, average L? No, I think we're both on the same You're page here. I don't <laughs> think it really makes much sense. It's good. So no, we're good, John. We're good. John, it was great talking to you. We'll do it again down the line. Thanks, we appreciate man. it. Have a good one. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. See you later. John Corrales, Boston Sports Journal, right there on the Harbor One hotline. Um, oh, that, that whole tax situation was getting my head spinning. Yeah, uh, first five million. This and then it's one yeah, fifty. After confusing. that, I was like, hey, can you start over, please? The thing is, is that they know where they're going over in the future. Yeah, and this, if they can stay under this year, then they can reset it, knowing they're going over. So next year, that's why this off season maybe it makes more sense to use it on a guy like Harrison Barnes if he's not traded. Or, but it's just painting yourself into a corner and having you know different. I don't know, situations or players falling off. If Barnes gets traded, maybe you can't move him, and then you're sort of sitting there in July going, what am I doing with this thing? Yeah, That's my, my biggest, concern. My biggest problem with Harrison Barnes is he, he's a good player. He does not put them over the top. No, but yeah, no, but just looking to get back to even. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get I, I them back want, to even. Yeah, I don't want to do that. And I, I, I'm a, a, it's gluttony. It's I get DPE, it. It's Glenn's not going to win you a championship. Like yeah, I, but, I, and but it's the, one not thing gonna... you, the one thing you brought up is, Ainge, there's no freaking way that Ainge cannot use this trade exception. If he goes oh, he's not through the lose summer, it. can you imagine that? If he No, he loses it through the summer. If he doesn't use it in this offseason, he loses it. If he ever did that, oh, my God. Then you talk about the fan base being pissed off. The salary dump thing was interesting, too. 
a little less uh, less unlikely, less likely. Well, it's um, one way to keep it and kind yeah. of push it forward, expiring mm-hmm. deal type of thing, and if be able to use yeah. later. Yeah, if you're hurting, you got to find a way of using it so that it you get something out of it in the future. Because I think if he doesn't use it, and I think that's Lou's biggest concern, that would be a complete disaster. Then I think this Green Tamer fan base would really turn on Danny Ainge. Guys, remember a year ago what happened in the NBA? Because the NBA kind of started the whole COVID mm-hmm. thing, if you remember. And it was one night, everybody's sitting there watching a basketball game out of Oklahoma City, and suddenly they said, go home, everybody. Weird night. We're going to revisit a year ago today, coming up next right here on OMF.